it will all be uh, shared with the masses, shared for posterity. Now, I'm going to throw this out. Why not? You guys are familiar with monkey bread, right? And then we use that as stuffing. And uh, it was delightful. Welcome to another potentially useful episode of the TCAP Sloop Podcast. My name is Larry Burden, and unsurprisingly, her New Year's resolution was to read more books. It's Steffi Light, <laughs> and we're so excited to have and Kaskinen. Kaskinen, did I pronounce that right? Exactly right, yes. Um, from Mel.org, joining us for today's episode. But before we cut into this week's meet of the show, I'd like to open the book on another moment of Zen. Reading is an act of civilization. It's one of the greatest acts of civilization because it takes the free, raw material of the mind and builds castles of possibilities. I like that one, Larry. Awesome. All right. Now, my New Year's resolution is to do a better job of listening. So I'm going to turn it over to Steffi and soak up some of the knowledge. <laughs> So take it away. This is I'm, I'm very excited about this because you guys, anytime we start talking about Mel.org, which we have done a ton of um, in the past, it's, it's always it's always surprising that we don't um, engage more in the resource that it is. So feel free to expound. Absolutely. Well, Larry, you're right. We We do talk about Mel a lot. And I don't think that it's enough. There's so much there. And Mel as a resource is really unique. And I am just thrilled that Anne was able to come on today. And I'm really curious to talk with her about some of the, the background of Mel. How did we get Mel? How are, um, what makes it so unique compared to what is out there? And some of her just like must have favorites. We could fill a lot of podcasts on what's there. It is just an amazing resource. So, Anne, first of all, thank you for coming and welcome. Um, can you tell us a little bit about how Mel came to be? From what I understand, and, and I actually asked a few people about this, and fortunately, my boss at the Midwest Collaborative for Library Services was a big part of the beginning of MelCat, which happened in the early 2000s. But I did learn that Mel started in the mid-1990s. In the early 1990s, there were some very well-intentioned, passionate librarians throughout the state that wanted to make sure that we had equity for all citizens and that we could provide them with resources. And there was a push to do this. We wanted to give everyone in every remote region, every nook and cranny of the state access to these resources a wide range of resources that support K-12, support the academics, support the public. And so there was a real push to do that in um, the mid nineties, early nineties. And actually in 1995 was the beginning of MEL as we know it now. Oh, and wow. you know, it, it started a little slow and then it wasn't until 2002 that MEL CAT came on the scene. So okay. we started with the digital resources in the mid nineties, and then we expanded that to include physical materials with MelCat. And so now we have about 96% of our public libraries that participate in resource sharing. And uh, a lot of people again came together to figure out how that would work, how they could share 
um, you know, the technical aspect of it. How are you going to build this catalog that works for the entire state of Michigan? That's a huge undertaking. Very much so. And then um, not only that, you know, you had to have accountability. There was training so much that went into it. And there's actually a document inside the Hathi Trust that explains the entire process, basically, of how MELCAT happened in the state of Michigan. So really, really amazing people. Randy Dykeis was a really big instrumental part of that. And there were so many others at the onset of MELCAT. And now, um, I'm not sure if people realize this, but physical materials that get shared throughout the state of Michigan actually get um, distributed in the back of medical supply trucks. We piggyback wow. with medical supply trucks to send out all those books and materials throughout the state of Michigan. So I think that makes a statement that that reading's essential. Absolutely. <laughs> I know. So it's still a big part, uh, distribution. We have one person that pretty much oversees all of Mallcat and that distribution. So it's really interesting. And then with COVID happening this year, there's a whole new layer that's been added. So we are all working for home, from home, but the MCLS office in Lansing is now the quarantine center for those MELCAT materials. So a lot of them will ship there first and they'll be housed in quarantine before they, they leave again. So really interesting processes happening throughout the state. The logistics of all of that on that scale I mean, we, you know, quarantining just one elementary library's books took some planning and figuring how that was going to work. I can't imagine getting all of that figured out for that whole catalog. My understanding is that Mel Cat ranks in the top, is it top five for circulation in the state, like if it were considered its own library? You know, I'm not 100% sure on that. I, I, I have never heard a number, but I know that Michigan has been on the cutting edge of this for a very long time and actually read some literature from a different state that wanted to figure out how to do it. And that literature came up, an email exchange um, happened in November of this year. So we have a state right now trying to figure out how to do a MELCAT experience. So we've been doing it for 20 years and now other states are just now seeing the value in it. Is there another state that has something similar or is it pretty unique? Um, it is pretty unique because it's the entire state. You have some states that do it regionally. Um, Colorado would be one. They have what's called Prospector. Um, Ohio has something very similar, uh, but they have two separate systems that kind of marry each other. So there are other systems out there, but definitely Michigan, cutting edge. We were one of the first and have been doing it well enough that other states seek us for how to do it well. That's amazing. Well, we're so fortunate to have it. It's just, we really are. it's a, it, as you said, I mean, anywhere in the state you have access. I mean, I think it's amazing. We have access to everything at the academics, like in the university libraries, the special libraries, like it is just, it's a wealth out there of information. It really is. And, you know, these vendors that we work with, we work with several, Britannica, EBSCO, Gale, Capstone, you know, I know that they have to sell their product. I get it. But they're always doing such great things to make them better. And um, and all of those, every single vendor I just stated is doing it in some way, shape or form. Um, Learning Express Library, which is an EBSCO product, the updates that they've made in the last six months are fantastic. And I love sharing that piece. Pebble Go 
One little thing that they're adding, and this is capstone, is the ability to turn on and off the sound. And that might sound little, but it's tremendous when we're all working virtually to be able to turn off the sound, which who thinks of that, right? So right. we're really happy about that update. It's small. Um, ebook collections, they've added 148 new titles from 2020 publications. Wow. So it, there's just so many fantastic updates that are always happening. And, you know, there's a moment where you go, oh, geez, I've got to redo all those slides again because they changed <laughs> the interface. But then you're so happy because when you really look at it, it's like, gosh, you know, Britannica, darn you, you just changed everything on me. But, oh, wow, you really changed it for the better. So Absolutely. definitely appreciate all the work that they are all doing to make what we do even easier. Well, talking specifically about the ebook collection, there's so much there in terms of the the large portion is nonfiction, um, and the ability to share those books out through the permalink is a huge resource for our teachers. The also the fact that those books can be used by multiple users at the same time is so unique versus what we can provide. You know, mostly most of what we have is single use, so to be able to have access at the same time for multiple users, especially now when we're, we have lots of virtual learning taking place across the state, it's, that's a game changer. It really has been, and, and we've seen some pretty amazing things with that. Um, we have several different ISDs that are building virtual book bags in ways that we never thought possible. I know we did some model lists this year of virtual book bags. We did a, a K-3 social studies and a K-3 science to be a model. Those but have been really popular. They are, but you know, they've taken off and we, uh, Marquette Elger, their ISD did a, they're putting together one that is from the perspective of a student opening this document. And so mm -hmm. there's images and they've embedded the permalinks behind the images. And then Genesee ISD has been doing some really incredible virtual uh, book bags, not just with Mel products, but with other resources that they have. And they're kind of putting them all in one. That's really been awesome. So a lot of really good, good things coming. And then even this morning, um, Liz Breed, the Mel coordinator, had an email from a teacher wondering if she could show a book to 350 students simultaneously. And we're like, we think so. We know so. But yeah, do it and let us know how it goes. Because, you know, our understanding, of course, is that, yes, it can be shared in an unlimited manner, but this right. morning we have a little pilot going with 350 onlookers. So, yeah, we're pretty excited to see how it works. That's great. Oh, that's great. So I'm curious too, just Anne, on, on your end, how did you end up working with Mel and with the MCLS? You know, like all things, it's a little bit of a long story. I was a library media specialist starting back in 2000. I got my library science degree and I was the media specialist first for Mayo Asabal schools. Uh -huh. And they have a K-12 library. And it wasn't just being hired as their media specialist, but being hired as their media specialist. Oh, and by the way, can you automate our system? So we had to you know, do the major weeding and go through a K-12 collection in a one physical space. And we started with Follette and automated that system. So that was like my first charge. And then East Jordan Public Schools uh, mm -hmm. was my next stop. You know, and this is again, early 2000s. Remember things were starting to be on the decline as far as yep. uh, funding for library positions. Yes. Uh -huh. 
So Maya was really struggling with that at the time. And my husband had taken a new position as the superintendent in Mancelona at the time. And so we were moving. I commuted from Mancelona to Mayo for a year, which was 70 miles one way. And East Jordan called and they needed three libraries automated with Follette. And so I was hired for East Jordan Public Schools. And during this all, and, and again, another move made my career end at Kalamazoo Central High School. And that was, I was kind of following my husband's, you know, path in life. And that took us downstate toward the end. And um, I retired from Kalamazoo Central High School in 2016. And one of the things that was really instrumental in, in my appreciation for Mel and my wanting to promote Mel and not just to librarians, not just to media specialists, but to a broader audience. And it happened because the head of the history department came into um, the library one day and he said, hey, can you buy JSTOR? And I'm like, uh, okay, tell me a little bit more. He's like, well, I need my AP history students to be able to do X, Y, and Z. And I said, all right, have you looked at Mel? And it was at that moment when he said no, I'm like, okay, our teachers just don't know enough about Mel. How can we share this? And so I started doing uh, PD for our teachers at Case Central at department meetings every month to show them how to utilize the Mel resources. And I was doing that, you know, when classes would come in, English classes would come in, but there was still so many teachers that did not understand what was there. So what I did with that particular teacher was I got a, you know, a 30 day trial with JSTOR and which I love JSTOR. I have nothing, you know, I love all databases. And um, yes, sorry to interrupt you. Can you tell our listeners if they're not familiar what JSTOR is? Sure. You know, JSTOR is, is like an EBSCO or a Gale. And, and these are all products that they purchase publications. And some of these database um, companies, you know, they, they have a really great, deep resource. They've making, made a lot of purchases. Well, when they do make those purchases of all those individual subscriptions, it's more expensive based on what they're purchasing. And so JSTOR is pretty pricey because they've got a lot of really great content in that resource. And we have a lot of schools in the state of Michigan, especially if they have IB programs. They have the International Baccalaureate programs. They almost always buy JSTOR because it's well-respected with the content that's available. And, and that's where this teacher was coming from, and I get it. So we got a subscription to JSTOR for 30 days trial, which, by the way, the size of our high school would have made that $1,000 purchase per year based on the population of our building. I'm like, wow, $1,000. And I knew that the history department had a $1,000 budget total for everybody. <laughs> and um, we did a side-by-side -side, uh, practice. Okay, here are some topics that students would look for. Let's go into the databases in Mel, which at the time were Gale products. And let's go into JSTOR and see what we find. And we sized them up. And almost 90% um, of what we found in the Gale product at the time is what we found in JSTOR. So there was no real huge advantage to making that $1,000 purchase. So wow. that was like the beginning of it all for me. Sure. And then I retired and moved to Florida and lived on the beach. And it was awesome. And <laughs> I walked the beach every day, every single day. And it was just extraordinary. 
and I was hired as the teen librarian for Bay County Public Library in Panama City Beach, which is a great job, but I'm not really a public librarian, I'm going to be honest. And my favorite part of the job was going into charter schools and showing them how to use the databases provided through FEL, the Florida Electronic Library. Interesting. Okay. And I'm like, this is great. Nobody knew what they had, how to use it. And I, again, got that, like, why don't people understand this? And almost simultaneously of those thoughts in my head, I saw this job posting for MCLS to be (laughs) the mental engagement person. I'm like, somebody's got to go do that. So that's why I I applied. Um, In fact, I was told initially that there were no more um, slots available because I didn't see the job posting until the last day that it expired. So I called and she said, we're going to let you apply for the public library engagement position, not the K-12. And then I get in the phone interview a few weeks later and um, my boss, who's my boss now, she looked at my resume and said, wait, we're interviewing you for the wrong job. <laughs> so, so that's kind of how that all happened. And wow. it's been awesome. And I just still feel that way. Like, this is so important that people know this. I agree. And it, it you <laughs> gave up walking on the beach for Mel. So that is um, well, and really I had important. Granddaughter happened in there, too. It's always so interesting to me. I love to hear people's paths. So thank you for sharing that. It's so, it is amazing. And so I know this is really hard to do. It's like picking favorite books, but if you could pick your top three, like, okay, someone has never heard of Mel and they're a K-12 teacher. If you had to say, okay, these are the must, you must check out X, Y, and Z. I would say number one, absolutely, hands down, is ebooks. Just okay. because of it's K twelve, we have a K eight collection and a high school collection. They're constantly updating the content. For example, in the high school, when I was first hired, we went the first year and a half without having any classic literature in the high school collection. Um, all we had were the illustrated classics, which is fantastic. But I'm like, we really need some classic literature. Well, this year, EBSCO added all the classics to the high school ebook collection. Wow. So with that, I mean, that was a huge change. Elementary ebooks, I always gravitate to third grade and fourth grade curriculum and think of those state books, Michigan books first and third, and then um, to go to the fourth grade with all the individual states. Because you, Steffi, as a librarian know that teachers get pretty um, possessive of that one set of state books that you've got in the library, yet you have six teachers teaching it all at the same time. Right. We have seen people steal, hoard, you know, all want to pull them in. And now we have at least five really great publications of each state in the ebook collections. So teachers never have to fight for those again, ever. <laughs> Enough to go around. That's fabulous. Yes. So ebooks number one. And then I would say number two would probably be Britannica because, again, it's a K-12 resource. They have a really nice Chrome extension so that if you're doing Google searches, you're actually doing Britannica searches simultaneously so that, you know, if I type in Michigan, for example, in Google, over to the right-hand side of the screen, if I've added that Chrome extension, if Michigan is a resource in Britannica, the whole Britannica box will show up and students can click on that and go right to the resource. And what's great about that is 
we can link directly to all that text and all of the content is leveled in Britannica. One of the things that they've added this year is Lexile levels with all their articles. That's great. So that's been incredible. Um, and eBooks, I wanna say that too. We can't search by Lexiles for those eBooks, but I've noticed all new publications have a Lexile level. So I anticipate very soon they'll be adding that piece to the eBooks because I'm noticing all the 19 and 2020 publications include that Lexile. That's great. So Britannica, let me go back just a second because Britannica, not only K-12 and article searches, but primary source documents, that's a tremendous resource for that. And then we have all of those images and videos that have citation, as well as the ability to link and drop into Google Classroom. And now Microsoft Teams, they just added that to Britannica. So, so pretty, nice. pretty awesome. Number three, whew, number three. Can I, just, can I just stop you really quick right there? Because I'm, I'm trying to figure out I'm not a smart person, so I need some help. Oh, geez. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to figure out, okay. I'm, I'm concerned with usability, or I'm, I'm curious about usability. When you say you get Britannica through mel.org, but Britannica has an ex a Google extension. A Chrome extension. A yes. Chrome extension. Yes. So the Chrome extension communicates with mel.org to say that you have access to the... How does that work? Pretty much. That's You kind of described it exactly right that. And I don't know all the technical piece of it, but I do know... my loan. You know, That's all right. right. <laughs> so if you add that Chrome extension, which is really easy, you just go into the extent the Chrome store and you click on Britannica School, and boom, now you have that extension. It will take you directly into Mel.org's holding of Britannica. So you are actually in Mel.org's website as soon as you click on that Britannica resource from your Google landing page when you do a Google search. So and you can do just about anything. And that's another reason I love Britannica. They update it so well that if you go to Google and you type in Chrome store because you're looking to do that exact thing, Chrome will come up as one of the um, items inside of Britannica. Britannica has a whole page dedicated to uh, Google Chrome. So it's pretty shocking how updated they are. And they actually keep a running page of all the updates and the date that it was updated. And it's tremendous. They do they do updates in Britannica every day that are amazing. Wow. Steffi, do all of our Chromebooks have that all set? Let's say yes, coming. How about that is, we're sharing out? Yes. Yeah, awesome. awesome. That is just I'm I'm blown away. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I've actually been in some sessions. I was down at the Lake Michigan Tech Conference presenting, and I'm gonna say this this was a, a year and a half ago. So yeah, they haven't had didn't have a conference this year. And I was sharing that with a group and I had a tech person in the room. And at the end of the session, it was a one hour session. He came up and he said, all right, I just pushed that out to every computer in our district. What else do you have? And I'm like, that's the only really good Chrome extension that we have for the Mel products right now. But I know it's been so successful. I would not at all be surprised if other um, vendors are starting to add things like that. I would imagine. That's a pretty big one. That's a pretty good That's, one. It's huge. It's so good. So Britannica, yeah, definitely in the top three for that reason. And, you know, I'm kind of torn on number number three. Between three, and I'm looking right now, I'm looking at PebbleGo, which is phenomenal because the PebbleGo Social Studies aligns with the K-3 Social Studies curriculum almost verbatim. And there's images, there's 
you know, all those accessibility features that you want because you have text-to-speech. Um, it's just so fabulous in so many ways. So Pebble Go is right there. And if you want to add more modules as a district, Pebble Go, you know, the, the modules get cheaper as you purchase more. Uh, we just had the vendor on with us just a couple of weeks before Christmas. And I was asking John these questions and he said, well, you know, in most states or most schools, when you buy the first Pebble Go, it's X dollars. And then when you buy the second one, your, your costs go down. When you buy the third one, your costs go down. Well, at Mel, we were only able to purchase two of the modules. But Pebble Go or Capstone gives every district credit for purchasing those two. And so the cost for number three is actually extraordinarily low. In fact, I know that it's under $300 per building per year. Um, if you want to add Pebble Go modules. And if I were going to add one more, you know, we had to choose. We have the animals, we have social studies, but I would add science if I was going to add a third. Their science module is incredible. And as well as the ones that we have, but really the science, I just saw it when we had all the free access over the summer, Yeah, um, all the vendors gave us free access. So I spent some time in there and then Pebble Go Next um, was a free feature for a while. So I got to see a lot of things in there as well. It's really nice to give schools credit. Pebble Go is just phenomenal to work with in so many ways, but I don't want to leave off with them as number three, because I had a tie for third place. Novelist. Uh, uh, yeah, I saw my recent tweet on Novelist. They've added a new feature in their uh, yes. browse by category. Uh, yes, I saw that. Celebrating identity. So yeah. um, they haven't added that in the browse by feature of the Novelist K8, but they have added, added it to the Novelist, which is, you know, universal for all ages. And But all of the shortcuts, so if you type in um, TH uh, celebrating identity, into the K8 version, all of those shortcuts work there as well. They don't just work in the other novelist, but novelist is great because you can go in, it's a reader's advisory tool. You can check, you know, genres or you search for genres by age range. You can check on Lexile level of any book that you can think of. You can, oh my gosh, so much. If you're in an accelerated reader program in your school, you can go in there and check the AR points for every book. You can read reviews about the books. There's just so much there. So I love novelists for that reason. So, and Anne, before you the, share your tie, is so yeah. the shortcuts in novelists, like I think the TH is theme, is that right? And then you're right. searching by that theme. Somewhere can we find the other shortcuts? Okay. If you just go into Novelist Plus and uh -huh. in the top, ribbon across the top of the page, there's a browse by feature. Okay. If you click that browse by feature, then you'll see a search by themes category. Okay. And it will open you to a page of all the different themes that you can search by. And awesome. you know, you can search by, you can put in TH disability. Um, uh -huh. so it's only about children with disabilities. So just it, the range is extraordinary that you can go through. And I can remember, um, so when I was at Kalamazoo Central those last years, last seven years of my career, I, I was there. Um, Dr. Rice, who's now our state superintendent, was the superintendent in Kalamazoo when I was there. So did a lot of work for Dr. Rice back then. And one of the things that we were given charge to do, I was the high school media specialist. And then uh, Laura Warren Gross, who's still there and still amazing, 
was middle school and Patsy Richardson was elementary. And the three of us were given charge for summer reading lists Mm -hmm. um, with diversity. And Dr. Rice was such a proponent, not only of literacy, but of diversity and having students see themselves in the books that they were reading, that that was back in, I'm going to say, let's see, 2000, 2010, I started with them. From the onset, that was his biggest charge. And I loved him for it. I thought it was huge. That's fabulous. It was. Well, well, I'm sure you've seen the main list that came out recently. I did. Really, really good. So proud of everybody that put that together. So awesome. So I'm sorry. I know I, I know you have a tie. I do. I do. Learning Express Library. Oh, yes. It's an EBSO product. It's focused on secondary. But one of the things that they added this year that I think is just a game changer is under the Job and Career Accelerator resource, they have occupation cards. And we used to go and remember those occupational handbooks, probably as a librarian, you remember those thick things that used to sit on the shelf. We ordered a new one every year. It was just one of those things. And sometimes kids went through them to think about occupations and sometimes they didn't. Well, what Learning Express added to that resource this year were video cards. And so so now you can go in and look for any job that you can think of. I mean, they have carpet installers in there. They have ditch diggers in there. They have academic jobs. They have, you know, just tech jobs, STEM jobs. They have a category just for STEM. And you can open any job and what it will have is about a two to three minute video card showing that person performing the job, the actual job. Thousands of videos watching people do the job while they hear an explanation of what that person's doing and the criteria to get there. So cool. Actually, and we have ESP because we always end our pod with a tech tool of the week. And that was my tech tool of the week. The, the oh. videos that are in Learning Express Library. I had fun just playing in there myself and looking at all these jobs, but I know that the, the resource as an overall resource is secondary focused, but college and career readiness is, you know, K-12 in the curriculum. And I just think it's something that kids of all ages, there's so much there for them to explore. The video part is, I think, a game changer. And you can link to them. In fact, the Mel Minute that I wrote for this week is all about that particular thing. And I have a lot of links and I'll be sure and forward it to you. It's just amazing. I can't say enough about it. I love Learning Express Library. It's a little bit hard to navigate because there's three separate subscriptions in there and we've put them all together on one page. Okay. So you need to make sure you're in the right space. So your choices are public library, high school library, and college library. And definitely K-12, you want to access through the high school library. And I'll tell you the reason is that the subscription for each of these is not the same. So I might open career exploration under public library, and I'm not going to have all the same resources that I have in career exploration under the high school category because they're separate subscriptions. So what that means is for the AP practice test, for example, in there, they only had a few of them under the public library space, but in the high school, they had all the AP exams. Wow. And those are all copyrighted by the college board. That's where they're coming from. Uh, During COVID, they even updated, you know, last spring when they changed the AP exams to being essay only, they changed all their formats in there to accommodate that. It's a great resource. Larry, you'd have fun playing in there. I have it down. (laughs) 
<laughs> We're kind of bumping up on our time, but I, is there anything else, Anne, that you want our pod listeners to know about Mel? You know, I, I guess one of the things is, is it's kind of like that starting point too, for what's next. You know, if we learn how to use Mel and access these pieces of content, this material at the K-12, we're, we're just setting everybody up for that lifelong learning that we're always shooting for. And Absolutely. it might sound silly, but you know, Mel has 90 databases, a little over 90 databases. And when you go to a community college, they're either using Mel as their database bank, or they are adding maybe 10, 15 resources to that bank. And so they might have 115, 120 databases. But then if you move on to Central Michigan University, they have over 400 databases that students are expected to know how to utilize and access for all of the work they're doing at Central. When you get to Michigan State, over a thousand databases. If you're at University of Michigan, they have over 1,500 databases that students wow. need to learn how to access and, and utilize. And so there's just so much there and we need to really start thinking about database literacy as just a part of what we do. In fact, the literacy essentials have added that at the sixth grade level. Mm -hmm. So the expectation is that students will be able to navigate a database by sixth grade. So, and what an important connection to information literacy and making sure that you're pulling sources that are accurate and um, unbiased. True. And you know, of course, I thought of one more thing. So I'm gonna add one more thing. <laughs> <laughs> that e-journal portal on the landing page, we can oh, go yeah. to three newspapers and magazines that are, again, free. Washington Post, New York Times, those are free. Sometimes if you're accessing the Gale database through e-journals, all you have to do is open it first so the cookies are saved on your machine and then you wouldn't have to enter like your driver's license or anything, a secondary authentication. But you can go to People Magazine for free, Us Weekly, and I know these don't sound academic, but Time, Newsweek, Rolling Stone, Wired, PC Magazine, these are all in there for free. And I just think it is huge, huge oversight that we don't know this. Funny you mentioned that because we were doing a presentation on accessing library resources and talking on Monday. Uh, Mel was a huge section of that. And we put that under our self-care for teachers. Like you can get People Magazine from Mel and that is a nice step away from it all and enjoy if that's your thing. But there's also all these other just take a minute and read for fun. Definitely. And we have two databases that I love just for teachers, Education Source and Academic Search Complete. And the reason that I love those two is because Education Source has all of those scholastic um, teacher's guides that coordinate with Scholastic News, Scholastic Scope, Scholastic uh, Super yeah. Science, all of the um, foreign language publications like Ketal, um, Schuss, which is in German, it's Scholastic Teacher's Guide is available for so Education cool. Source. And then Academic Search Complete has all of those really expensive purchases that all of our schools are making and shouldn't be, like Ed Leadership, Phi Delta Kappen, Literacy Today, School Library Journal. Those are all free through that resource. But if you go to that e-journal portal, you can just go to today's publication. And I love that. That's wonderful. Now, I don't know if this is this is true, but I was thinking about the the magazine subscriptions and all the other things that you might be searching for on mail.org. I, I think I'm correct in saying you're also moving away from the traditional Google algorithms when you're doing these searches and searching databases. So for instance, if you do go to People Magazine and are reading it, 
as opposed to a different news aggregator, it's not actually tracking you in the same way. So you're not finding yourself in that algorithmic silo. No, that no, you do to like find that. yourself in. So you're actually removing yourself from the 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 natural bias that oftentimes internet searches create, which is exactly. really great. Exactly. Absolutely. Well, I had never thought of it that way. That is a great way to look at it. Yes, you're not getting any advertising. Nothing extraneous is coming to you. You are focused in that one resource and only that resource. Yeah. It's it's a pull as opposed to a push. Which if we can if we can focus more on the pulling from the the internet as opposed to getting pushed to us that's that's a win absolutely <laughs> nice <laughs> right, right now honestly my brain's a little fried because there's there's always a thing when whenever we discuss mel i don't want to say it's overwhelming but it's like there's so much to that resource learning to navigate it better and uh, publicize it so that our our teachers and students are using it is awesome it's just awesome so Larry, um, we'll link in the show notes, but um, when Anne presented at Wired TC, she did a session for us on elementary and on secondary. And we do have those recordings that we've oh, shared cool. out because she goes into a lot more depth than obviously we could in the pod. And we'll also include the PD sessions that we did on Monday from the library that included a big chunk of Mel as well. Um, again, you're right though. We it, there's so much there, but right, that's just the great focus. Just get in and know that it's there and just get in there and you'll be amazed. Well, thanks again for joining us, Ann. I mean, this, this is fabulous. You know, any, anytime you have some updates that you want to share uh, about Mel, feel free to let us know and come. Yeah. You're always welcome back on. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. And thanks for having me. This has been great. Um, in closing, follow us on Facebook and Twitter at TCAPS Loop. At Steffi Light. And Anne, where can they find you on? on at mel.org, M-E-L-D-O-T-O-R-G. Awesome. Subscribe to the podcast on Podbean, iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, Downcast, Overcast, the Google Play Store, Spotify, or wherever else you get your ear candy. Like the podcast, feel free to leave a review, five stars on iTunes. It helps get the pod out there, gets, gets those aggregators spinning and algorithms spinning. Uh, we also love hearing from you. Thanks for listening and inspiring. So nice to talk about Mel. They're so, it's amazing. I agree.